Great song. Stretch your vocal cords a little at the end there. I was going to say, if you didn't actually try to hit that <clears throat> last high note, you have to come up here and help me with it right now. Well, we're still going through the, uh, our statement of faith. Really just barely getting started. We've got a ways to go yet. And uh, tonight we're going to look at the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we've sang about him all day long, and uh, we're, we've been focusing on him. We should every day. But every scripture tonight is about Christ and what he's done for us, the work of Jesus Christ. And so um, I was excited as I was going through this. I hope you will be as well. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll, <clears throat> once again, kind of a sword drill. i got quite a few scriptures to read tonight. Um, but uh, I believe it will encourage you. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, the music we just sang, for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Reaches to the most defiled. Father, I'm so thankful for my, my redemption. Lord, guide us tonight as we look at the work of Jesus Christ, what you've done for us, Lord, and what you are doing right now for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So there's... There's four points here tonight. First of all, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. He became man without ceasing to be God, having been conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Mary, a virgin, in order that he might reveal God and redeem sinful men. That's point A. This is written in our, in our statement of faith. That's how it's written in there. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. <coughs> Nine verse six, familiar passage. If I had to choose a favorite prophetic verse about Jesus Christ, this would probably be it. Verse six and seven. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His names are these, and, and I like to, if the Lord will allow me to, I'm going to preach out of this passage every year around Christmas. Because we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ and who he is. And it gives his names, it gives his attributes. He's Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. This is eternal. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. And then the last, ver last line of this verse is so amazing to me. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The desire of God, the power of God, the inspiration of God will perform this. That's an amazing little line in a verse. This is going to be for all of eternity. God has established this kingdom. It's with justice and judgment. So this is the work of Jesus Christ. And I thought right there was a great place to start. Go with me to John. We'll read a few verses in John. John chapter 1. Should I ask how many could stand up and quote verse 1 and 2? 
We learned this in Sunday school, right? This is, this is a passage that is a memory verse in Sunday school. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus was in the beginning. He was with God. He is God. This is a very key verse in Scripture as we consider who Jesus is. He is God. Verse 14 in chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John has so much more to say about Jesus. We're really skimming the surface tonight on this, but these two verses in chapter 1, or three verses, tell us who He is. And that's so important. We have to know who He is. This is what separates us from so, other, so many other or all other religions in the world. When we were in Lebanon with Noah George, he talked about that introducing the Muslims to Jesus is what changed them. When they understood that he is God, and that he was uh, God incarnate, he came here and walked on this earth. For them, it changes their life. We have to know that he is God. There, ha- there cannot be any doubt. Second. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, we're going to be in 19 down through verse 21. Chapter 5, verse 19, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Speaking of the work of Christ here, that God was in Christ, that He is God. He's reconciling the world into Himself. He is fulfilling the will of God, that we are made to fellowship with God. That's what He made man for. Now verse 20, Now then we are our ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You know, we sang it is well with my soul, and it makes the hair stand up on my neck. You read this verse, it ought to do the same. He was sin for us who knew no sin. The only one that ever lived a perfect sinless life, tempted in all points like as we are, or were, but yet without sin, lived in the flesh, yet never sinned. He understands our our struggles, and yet he took all of that sin upon us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the work of Jesus Christ. He is the eternal Son of God. Galatians chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter (coughs) 4. Verses 4 and 5. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Or 
We're going to go ahead and read verse 6 too. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were, them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Because of the work of Christ, He is my Father. It is Abba, Father. It's Father, Father. It's that close, intimate relationship. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, if we ever get it, if anyone ever tries to convince you that He's not God, there is no point in being here. If you do not believe that Christ is God, we're wasting our time. He is God. <laughs> All-powerful. Eternal. Self-sufficient. But because of that, we're now the sons of God. We receive this adoption of sons. All right, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished our redemption through His sinless life and death on the cross as a vicarious substitutionary sacrifice. He was buried according to the Scriptures. Our justification is made sure on that third, or that third 24-hour day, Sunday, by His literal, physical resurrection from the dead. He's alive today. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, 22 through 36. A little more to read here. Thank you. <clears throat> Acts 2, 22. And ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You know, think about that verse. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Man didn't put him on the cross. This was determined by God that this was going to happen. It was by the foreknowledge of God, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And that's another great statement. It was not possible. Satan thought he defeated Christ on the cross. When he died, he wring his hands in glee. He thought he won. But it was not possible that death should hold our Lord. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Take and apply this to yourself. Christian, this is us. David was a man that was saved like you and I were saved. By faith, through grace. All that applies to David applies to me. These things. He did not leave my soul in hell. My heart can rejoice. My, I can rest in hope. Thou hast made, me, made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. 
Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath, Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having reconciled of the, or received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. It's a powerful message being preached here about Jesus Christ, the blessings that we have in him, but about him. It was not possible that death would hold him. He was not going to see corruption. He was delivered. He's alive. Paul said if there was no resurrection, then we, we're all men most miserable. But because he's alive, we can serve him. We can trust him. We know that he is he is uh, interceding for us today. First Corinthians, <coughs> excuse me, First Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 8. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above Five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remaineth unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. We see here Paul's testimony. He's speaking of Christ, the importance of the resurrection. And, and I, I know I've said this. This is my favorite chapter in the Scriptures. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is just so packed with so much power and, and so, much, so many promises and, and, and we're charged in it to live holy lives and to follow the Lord and, and our hope is in His resurrection. Verse, verse 20 uh, through 25 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruit, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. He's alive today. We believe he accomplished our redemption by coming back 
the stone was rolled away and he was, res- he was resurrected. Thirdly, we believe that the great gospel blessing which Jesus Christ secures to such as believe in him is justification. Justification includes the pardon of sin, the gift of eternal life on principles of righteousness. It bestows not in consideration of any works of righteousness which we have done, or it is bestowed, let me get that right, it is bestowed not in consideration of any works of righteousness which we have done, but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood is his righteousness imputed unto us. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to go to Romans. There's, there's about, I don't know how many verses under this column, but we're going to go to Romans chapter 3. Nineteen through twenty-four. Now we know what uh, that what things whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth must be stopped, and all the world may be guilty before God. We know that the law was to point us to Christ. It showed us our sin. That was its job. It, it was it was death, right? The Bible says the law brought death. By it we understood our sin. We become guilty and condemned before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the re- this is our redemption. And every time we look at Christ, we see his, uh, the redemption. We see His, his work... <clears throat> Boy, I am sorry. His work for us on the cross. I don't know why I'm trying to lose my voice today. <clears throat> I haven't been yelling at my kids or anything. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Matter of fact, let's go back to verse 3 and start there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in, the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. And in verse 8 says, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now going back to verse 5, verse 4 and 5 is not teaching Calvinism. God didn't determine who would be saved. He has foreknowledge. I'm getting off on a rabbit trail here maybe, but He has foreknowledge. He knows all things. But He didn't determine he didn't determine it. He gave us a free will, and, and we choose or we choose not to believe God. 
So when I stand before him, before the, when the lost stands before him someday, they cannot point their finger at him and say it wasn't fair. They know they had a chance. They know they rejected him. When we stand before him, we don't say, well, we were good enough that you chose us. We said, your blood paid my ransom. He, knew, he knows, but he does not determine. I was told that this is an earthly way of understanding the sovereignty of God. I have to somehow, in my mind, uh, make the sovereignty of God make sense. Well, to me, that's what Calvinism does. It takes it and it just twists it so it makes sense. If God is all sovereign, then he is over all things. And yes, he is. He is. But in his sovereignty and in his infinite wisdom and power, he made us with a free will. And I'm thankful for that. That's a blessing. If you, if you follow through this, this uh, irresistible grace or Calvinism, if you want to give it that title, would we be able to sin? This is a question I've thought a lot. Why would God allow me to sin ever? Ever. I have a free will to live my life this day, however I decide God gave me that, but not according to my salvation. It doesn't track. I'm thankful for free will. <clears throat> thankful that he, he predestined us at salvation to be adopted into the family of God. That's what that says. He also in Romans predestined that when we are saved, we're going to be molded into the image of Christ. These are predestined truths. Anyway, I'm thankful for free will and I will defend it. <laughs> because it's, it's scripture. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Five, and five through seven. <clears throat> Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Nothing good have I to give to Christ. I, I can't give him anything to earn my way. There's nothing that is good about me. Not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing, the regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I have an inheritance with Christ in heaven waiting for me. I, also, I think I mentioned this. I heard another preacher say the other day that we don't actually have a mansion in heaven. I'm not going to argue that point. I think it's a mute point. God said he's preparing a place for me, and if he's preparing a place for me, he'll come and receive me unto himself. That where I am, there he may, where he is, I may be also. I'm going to be in his presence. If I have a mansion in heaven, I can't see me hanging out in it very much anyway. Because it's not about me. In heaven, it's about Jesus Christ. I'm going to be spending my time in His presence, worshiping Him. In His presence is fullness of joy. I don't care about a mansion. It doesn't matter. I know I'm going to walk on streets of gold. 
Personally, I think he's building me a mansion, but I... <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It's Jesus Christ that matters. There's a lot of things about heaven we don't understand. There's a lot of things about prophecy we don't understand. But we are heirs according to the gift of righteousness. I know that I'm going to be with him for eternity. And I know that every day of my life, he will never leave me nor forsake me. This is what I'm an heir of. Man, all that stuff, all the rest of the stuff is just stuff. It's his presence that matters. Lastly, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven and is now exalted to the right hand of God. As our great high priest, he fulfills the ministry of intercessor and advocate. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then we, that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. You know, as I think about this, something that hit me this week. Jesus never stops working for me. Almighty God has never stopped working for me. Now, I owe him everything. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Romans, or, yeah, it's Romans that says, uh, it is my reasonable service to prevent my body a living sacrifice unto God. Holy, acceptable. That's a reasonable service. But this says that he is sitting at the right hand of God daily, moment by moment, interceding for me and for you. That's tremendous. He is my intercessor. He does not stop working for me and for you. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. We are to strive for holiness. I write these things unto you that you sin not. We have the word of God hidden in our heart that we might not sin. And it says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Every time I sin and Satan goes before God and accuses me, Jesus says, I paid for that one. I paid for that one. I paid for that one. There's no joy in that, but he's done the work. He's paid for it. I mean, there, for him, he's heartbroken when I sin. That's what I mean by that. There's joy in that for me, because I know I will fail him. But I know every time that I do, my advocate is Jesus Christ. He is a propitiation for our sins. The payment in full, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as I said, I skipped over a lot of verses. This whole Bible speaks of Christ. That's the theme of the Bible, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ralph, when he was still alive, would say that he had been told that the Old Testament was obsolete. We just need to focus on the New. 
the Old Testament points us to Christ. There's so many pictures and types of Christ in the Old Testament. The New Testament just reveals Him in a greater way to us. This is the theme of the Word of God, is the person and work of Jesus Christ. He redeemed us. Uh, We ought to be excited every time we read these verses. He's my propitiation, my advocate. By Him I have life and a purpose and a job to do. I'm the ambassador for Christ. Let's tell others about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you for the shed blood on, on the cross. Father, we sing the songs, and we get excited singing the songs, and we should. But sometimes we can read the Scripture, and it's just that we've read it before. Lord, help, us, help it to be new to us every time we open these, these passages and read of the work of Christ, that we are excited, that we are convicted, that we're challenged to tell others about you. Father, I know there's, there's folks that have heard the gospel in the, in the last few weeks. Lord, open their eyes. Help them to understand their lost condition. Father, we long to see souls saved. Use each one of us, Lord, to be salt and light this week. Help us to, to see your power and to trust you to use us every moment of every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You are dismissed.